<laughs> and then she said, I'm at war with myself. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> it's what all teenagers are feeling, I'm sure. Yes. Hey, everybody. I'm Big Damn Chris. I'm Big Damn Matthew. And you're listening to the Big Damn... Ooh, Mrs. <laughs> um... We've got a smorgasbord of random bits and bobs of news this week, plus yeah. some questions, and a reaction to a show that um, is... It's is, a show. It's a show. It's a show. So let's crack the cack on, shall we? Let's zoom through these uh, these news items with the first, the sad announcement that... Zoom 2 has been greenlit. Zoom 2. <laughs> zoom no? 2. Um, Not Zoom 2. Ah. Director Rick Famuyiwa has dropped out of Warner Brothers The Flash, oh, citing sake. creative differences with the studio. Of course, of course. Of course he ha- Sorry, right. I broke you all. Oh of my course God, he okay. has. <laughs> yes, I'm fine. Um, you were so excited, you nearly shrugged through a surface. I'm not excited about this. This is not good. You were so upset, you nearly good. shrugged through a surface. Okay, so we released a statement. I think we're missing the, part, the, the amazing fact here that you nearly shrugged. Through a surface. I nearly shrugged through a surface. <laughs> That's impressive. I'm, I, I was like the Flash. I just vibrate my atoms really quickly. Bringing it back. You're mastering segues in a way that is upsetting and arousing. And yet I don't have a driving license. Um, <laughs> Rick Famuyiwa. Is it Rick Famuyiwa? I think it's. I think Famuyiwa. it's. I think it's Rick. So long and thanks for all the fish. Oi. He's not done a lot of movies. Like he's. Uh, he's it's like a lot of these studios. Do they get an indie director in to come and do? a big movie and then they can't really handle it and then they drop out. Um, but he has released a statement which says, when I was approached by Warner Brothers, this is not what he sounds like, I'm not doing an impression. When I was approached by Warner <laughs> Brothers and DC about the possibility of directing The Flash, I was excited about the opportunity to enter this amazing world of characters that I loved growing up and still do to this day. I was also excited to work with Ezra Miller who is a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal young actor. He's, he's a phenomenomorph. He's a phenomenal. <laughs> I pitched a version of the film in line with my voice, humour and heart. While it's disappointing that we couldn't come together creatively on the project, I remain grateful for the opportunity. I will continue to look for opportunities to tell stories that speak to a fresh, generational, topical and multicultural point of view. I wish Warner Brothers, DC, John Berg, Jeff Johns and Ezra Miller all the best as they continue their journey into the Speed Force. What I really like about that is it's a very sweet, very well put together letter. It shows that he does give a damn. Yeah. It shows that he's he's even he's ending on good terms at least on the surface. Yeah. And it also shows that he's just named everybody who could potentially be the people who pissed him off. Yes. Um I was... wish them luck going forward. Without me. Without me. You bastards. Or he's giving it as a sign-off to the people he actually got on with. I think, well, I think he's telling that he's citing creative differences and that he pitched it in line with his voice, humour and heart, Mm. along with generational, topical and multicultural points of view, and yet they had creative differences. So... Do you think he's throwing them under the bus there? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Maybe. He's like... In a nice way. I was di- I was dying to make this movie that was going to appeal to everyone and show people in new lights and not neglect anybody and make sure everyone have their say. Yeah. But I guess I can't do that I now. Mean, I mean, I don't. It doesn't come. It doesn't come across in, with that tone in my head. It's just. No, but. But I think that. I see what you mean, though. It's you like, could definitely read that into it mm, if you wanted to. This is worrying, um, isn't it? But yeah, well, he's the second director hired. 
Seth Graham Smith left in April. Okay. Then Famuyiwa came on board. Do we know why Seth Graham Smith left? Uh, schedule uh, differences, I think. Creative differences again. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. How long before I James? Know. How long before James Wan goes? Yeah, I'm not doing Aquaman. Well, well, they already had it with one woman. Michelle McLaren left that, and then she was replaced by Patty Jenkins, who also had walked off this all the Dark World a couple of years me, earlier. Like all the higher ups who are in position of power are on the same wavelength as Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder! Zack Snyder! Like, they're in the same kind of... 12.50. Like, they're all in the same... <laughs> they're all in the same kind of thought yeah, boat. Yeah. And everyone else has been invited onto the thought boat. And they've gone, we're sort of drifting in the wrong direction, guys. Maybe we should sail this way. And everyone's going, no, 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 no. This is the best way. This is the best way. Come with us. Come with us. And eventually these people are going, yeah, I'm just going to get in a life raft and go the other way. Because yeah. this is... This is not going right. fast. It says so much. It's one of the reasons why I'm not excited about Wonder Woman anymore. Like three films in, and I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this universe. Wonder Woman, maybe you could rescue it, but then thinking about it, it's like, yeah, that changed directors, and now the Flash has done it twice, and Aquaman hasn't even begun production yet. Yet they've had James Wan signed on this whole time, almost like they were trying to get him hook, line, and sinker, but um, Tish. Yeah. Like early on, I mean, The Rock yeah. signed on to play Black Adam in a Shazam movie, but that's not happening anytime soon. Nope. But he signed up for it. It nope. seems like Warner's just went, quick, get the hooks out now, get people hooked, brilliantly. Get everyone in, get everyone in, get everyone in. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> but hey. It makes you wonder if they knew it was all doomed from the start, or whether or not they were just being cocky and arrogant about it. I think they were just trying to get... They're trying to jump on that bandwagon. Like, Marvel announced that Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. And then we know that she'll be in production on a film less than a year after the announcement. Yeah. If she's not already in an Infinity War. Yeah. So... Which I don't think she will be, actually. DC seems to just sort of be scattershot in pieces left, right and centre. Yeah, it's not... It's not... It doesn't inspire confidence in their endeavour. You know... I feel like we have to reiterate this, because we do get pulled up on it occasionally, like... We love DC. Oh god, I want these movies to be so good. And we want the movies I really to be want amazing. Them to be good. Like, we That's want why to... I care so much. Yeah, the reason why we keep going on about how good Marvel is because they are nailing it. They're getting it right. Disney and Marvel are working together in a way where it's absolutely getting the source material right. And I want DC to nail it. Your like... Disney, Disney shills. Well, we also love Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2, which are Paramount movies. And they're damn good movies as well. Well, it's all about... well they are. I don't know if Iron Man 2's damn good. Yeah, it's fine. It's alright. It's not a it's bad a saggy. Mm-hmm. A bit baggy and saggy. <laughs> I am too. The saggy baggy. I want my bird. Edition. Incredible Hulk's got some issues, but they're still good movies. They're still good movies. Yeah. Like we've been spoiled. Yeah, yeah. We've been spoiled going forwards from that. Yeah, but they're yeah. still pretty solid flicks as, as their own little flick. Even Thor: The Dark World, which is probably my least favorite of any of the Marvel movies, it's still pretty watchable. Yeah, it's the, none um, of them are bad films. They're just weaker in the one. They're weaker ones in the series, um, but they're all done. Most importantly, with the love, care, and understanding of the characters they're adapting. Yep. Which, these DC movies, it seems that they haven't got that so far, and that directors are going in going, oh my god, I can't wait to tell stories with these characters, and then are now leaving, because they're probably not being asked to tell stories with those characters. No. And it's just like, oh, this is worrying, man. The whole thing's worrying. But, feel sad. changes of director are not necessarily a bad thing. No. Four movies, as no. we saw with Marvel's Ant-Man. Yeah, Peyton Reed. Peyton, Peyton Reed. Reed did a damn fine job with Ant-Man. Stepping into... I mean, well, I'll always be curious to see what the Edgar Wright version of Ant-Man was going to be. Yeah, I mean, but, we, we know the elements of it survive, because at the end it does say story by blah, blah. A story by Peyton Reed, Paul Rudd, 
and uh, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. So yeah. like that, that enough of their I skeleton. Their I think is in the same, there. Yeah. Um, and and it would be nice to because Joss Whedon obviously sort of left after Age of Ultron and made a bit of a stink and went like. Yeah, I it just was an unpleasant kind of thing to work under. You had to make compromises in ways where you felt that it affected the movie. I just kind of show Age of Ultron again. It's a fine film, but it's a fine film. It, it it's sort of a bit meh in places. Um, but then since he's been like, oh shit, yeah, I'd come back to direct Black Widow if you want me to. I'd happily direct Black Widow. I want to make that movie. Well, then I look at how he handled Black Widow in Age of Ultron and go. Uh... I, I think I think that's why he wants to come back and do Black Widow because a lot yeah, of a lot uh... of the Black Widow story choices in Age of Ultron were the studio mandate. It kind of dropped the ball on that. He one, wanted gosh. a lot more of her in Age of Ultron, and the studio didn't allow it. That's dumb. Because they wanted more of like Ultron than. I feel like it. they're starting to listen to what people want more now, though. Yeah, I'm hoping anyway, but. Um... But yeah. Peyton Reed's been talking about Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes, he has. Yeah, not much. He's just because um... again they're in pre pro, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're in um, design that script. I think they've got a script, haven't they? And it's like designs and stuff they're planning on now. And he's just he's just kind of saying, you know, it's still we're still a, it's still a work in progress. Mm. Uh, he's saying he's told he's been talking to Movie Phone, and he's saying, I'm "Hello, just... Movie Phone. Hello, Movie Phone. Oh, damn it." Quarters ran out. Put another quarter. Put another part of the movie phone. <laughs> Hello, movie phone. Um, I'm just personally excited to get to in- again. This is not my impression of Peyton Reed. Uh, I'm just personally excited to get to introduce yet another character into the Marvel universe. After Ant Man, we now get to see Wasp. So really, designing her look, the way she moves, the power set, and figuring out sort of who Hope Van Dyne is as a hero, because we know we're in a certain context in the first movie. But now she's going to have her coming out party, and that's exciting. That makes me happy because Hope was my least favourite character in Ant-Man. Not of her own fault, really. I think the actress did well with what she was given, but yeah. she was a role that I don't enjoy. I don't like Killjoys. She was a bit of a killjoy. In, in my fun-loving movies. It's the, reason why, it's the reason why I despise those two kids in, in Doctor Who and Nightmare and Silver. Waspish, one might say. Oh, terrible. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you, the TARDIS is taking you to a theme park on a moon in the future. This is incredible. And they're just like, yeah, so what? It's like, no! Listen. No! Listen, leave Doctor <laughs> Who out of this. Okay. We'll get to that. Oh, God. But that's what she was like for me. It was like, don't hate on Scott. It's not his fault. But I got it, and the story out resolves itself in a really nice way. And, and he's a loser, sense. though. Although they are suddenly romantically involved for no reason. Not too keen on that, but I I do like the way they sort of very flippantly address it. They don't make it a big swelling romantic score. Yeah. When they become a thing, they just make it more of a. Are you two? Uh, uh, no. Are you two canoodling or spooning or whatever it is you kids do nowadays? These days, while Michael Douglas sits in the corner and goes, Scott. Um, what are you, some kind of pervert? <laughs> Scott. Um, but yeah. Liberace I'm, sitting in the corner. And then Hank Pym comes home. He's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm running the Wasp currently scheduled for July 6th, 2018. Cannot wait for that. I'll be honest, I'm really pumped for that. It's a ways away, but I, yeah, that first Ant-Man movie, because I just did not know what to expect out of Ant-Man. Mm. And it just ended up being really fun. Yes. And yeah, just fun and good. It was good and fun, fun proper, and Proper proper boo-hiss, nasty villain. Yeah. Like some really nice effects. And again, one of those few ones where I'll go, if you can see it in 3D, pick 3D. Because Good God, the depth of field in that movie is amazing. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm all for Ant-Man and the Wasp. What do we got next, boss? Well, just a little <laughs> bit of uh, Netflix news. Um, okay, boss. Again, what is it about? Okay, boss. Um, nothing, nothing major, just... Uh, <laughs> okay, boss. 
couple of... Um... Is that Bebop or Rocksteady? Oh, one of them, I don't know. One of them. <laughs> the one uh, with the face. <laughs> yeah, with the, what? what? Um, just a couple of uh, cast members from the other Netflix shows joining the Defenders. So, we know Eldon Henson's going to pop up as Foggy Nelson. Yeah, boy! Ika Darvel's going to pop up as Malcolm. Nice. And Carrie-Anne Moss is going to pop up as Jerry and Hogarth. Excellent. I'm All down with that. The Defenders. So, yeah. that's a cool, you know, we're making it really a, a shared universe show. Um, yeah. It'll be the bridge as well, especially for those audience members who maybe watched Daredevil but weren't inclined to watch Jessica Jones. Or the... I know Jessica Jones has a fan base all its own. As well, there are people who yeah. aren't fussed about yeah, the others, yeah. but they just watch Jessica Jones. They may be like, "Oh, go on, let's see what Jessica and Malcolm and Luke do in this show." Well, I feel like Jessica Jones probably got more to say that you can apply to real life than Daredevil or Luke Cage has, because it is all about surviving trauma and abuse mm-hmm. and sort of coming out the other side of that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with their second season of it. Yeah, because, because she's, still, without she's those... still getting a second season, isn't she? Yeah. It's after the Defenders. We yeah. Can see. Jessica Jones season two. And I think the, the showrunner whose name escapes me at the moment has said that the second season of Jessica Jones is going to be entirely directed by women. Fair enough. So I think it's a, it's a powerful, it could be definitely be it's a sort powerful of a statement, the show in itself. statement yeah. for feminism in in that genre as well. Yeah, which is um, quite cool. It, it doesn't feel like a gimmick that way. It no, no, no. Like... It's it's not in a way where they were like, we're going to get a female director for Wonder Woman and stuff, or you know, we're going to get, a... if we did Black Widow movie, it should be female director. It's like, uh, it just should be whoever tells the story best. But like you say, Jessica Jones, what it represents as a show yeah. and as a, as, a, as a pop cultural event, it's like you could do something with that. You could use it as a platform. Yeah. Whereas when it's a movie, it sort of does feel a bit grandstandy when they play it up before any production's even begun. It's always a bit like, oh, okay. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it either way because I just like that character and I want to see more of her world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just, that, that Netflix world in general is... is... One thing, Netflix, fun to one thing Netflix do need to do is they need to create a playlist, I think. Yeah. Because there will be people who go, right, what order do I watch these in now? I don't yeah. understand. Because it's Daredevil 1, Jessica Jones 1, Daredevil 2, Luke Cage 1, Iron Fist 1, Defenders, presumably 1. I think, there is, I think you can do video playlists. Jessica Jones 2, Daredevil 3. It's like, you, they need to, and then hopefully, not Luke Cage 2, or Iron Fist 2. Just give us heroes for hire. Oh, I love it when you say that. Bond those two together, and then Punisher's got to fit in somewhere. I love as well. it when you say that, Chris. It makes me so warm inside. It's oh. because it, it's because it's closer to a reality oh, I now. I want the heroes for hire show so bad, so bad. Oh, <laughs> Anyways, oh boy, um, <laughs> oh boy. I want a series where Luke Cage and Danny Rand deal with weird Agents of Shield level threats. For billionaires, like, and they what pull is the, going on? and they pull the money back into Harlem. Yeah, fix Harlem good. up. That'd be freaking amazing. Well, then Luke says to Danny and say, "Why don't you just invest in Harlem directly?" <laughs> don't be like, "Oh yeah, because this is fun." I'm a millionaire, aren't I? Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, totally forgot that. <laughs> um, amnesia. It's gonna be wet. <laughs> uh, so, can imagine those two teaming up against the bloke who played Absorbing Man from Shield coming into it? It's like Luke Cage and Iron Fist fighting the Absorbing Man. Would the Absorbing Man absorb Iron Fist's fist of iron? That is a damn good question. Would he absorb him in his face, probably. Probably. <laughs> just get him in his face. He'll absorb his handsome face. Yeah. So I'm just going to take the powers of Finn Jones' handsome <laughs> face. Like, I have taken your powers, Finn. You're mine now. Wait, no, I'm, I'm Fist. The character's Fist. No! No! No, you're Finn. I take your powers. Iron Finn. <laughs> Fist Jones. Sold. Fist Jones. <laughs> Maybe, oh, God. Maybe that could work. 
I'm Fist. Fist Jones! Um, so Marvel Comics, they're a thing that all these things are based on. These wacky kids. Yeah. And speaking of wacky kids, yeah. Um, you remember Goosebumps, don't you? You I love some goosebumps. Freaking loves me some goosebumps. You were playing some goosebumps on the on the on the stream yeah. of a Halloween. Yeah. Big damn scream! Goosebumps on there, yeah. But I love their goosebumps. Grew up with the show. Grew up reading some of the books. Really jerked myself off over how much I enjoyed the movie bit this of, year. Bit of Jason S. Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> Jason S. God. Um, R. L. S. Goosebumps. So, in real life, Stein. <laughs> Real life Stein. I love it. Randy yeah. Lee Stein? <laughs> Ronald his, Logan his Stein? His name's Robert something Stein. Robert Logia Stein? Robert Logia Stein. <laughs> Robert Logia Stein. R.L. <laughs> Stein is writing for Marvel. What the balls? Exactly. Exact. But. Oh. No one knows what yet. Well, R.L. Stein obviously knows. Because <laughs> he's really working on it. Because he's working on it. <laughs> It was in a Reddit AMA recently that he's wor- he's writing a comic book for Marvel Comics, but he can't say what it is. Oh, come on. Let's be he's... perfectly honest here. I'm writing a series of comic books for Marvel, my first comics ever, but I'm not allowed to talk to them, talk about them yet. Let's be perfectly honest. We all know what we want it to be. What we you... want an anthology Goosebumps run. That's what we want. Mm, do we? Yes, we ding dang dingly do, sir. What if he's working on a superhero book? Whose book would you work on? Well, he does have. A, there is a superhero story. There is one of his stories is about like a supervillain. Um, I'm trying to remember what he's called now. Oh, Booker, Booker in Hell. I'm after. I'm after, I'm looking him up. I'm looking him up. I'm breaking the Weekly Planet rule of don't research. The Weekly Planet. The I'm Weekly Planet. I'm doing it. What Love is you guys. it called? What is it called? Fans, fans of their work by Jingo. Yes. Um, what is it? What's it pissing called? <laughs> What's it cocking called? Uh, the, te- the, the creeper, the terror, the dude. The, the, the bloke, the, 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 the fella. The ghost who walks. The no, big old the bag of dick. The it's, shadow. It's, it's something mutant. Attack of the Mutants. That's it. Comic book addict Skipper Matthews finds out his favourite comic book villain, the masked mutant, is real, but a visit through the lair... Has a uh, visit through the lair has Skipper losing his grip on reality after seeing comic book panels with him as the hero. A visit so through the lair. You could totally do something with the masked mutant. Like you could, you, do you know what I mean? He could he do could. a series based around that. But I, I think there is something. There is something similar. Um, another company did a graphic novel adaptation of a couple of the Goosebumps books as like a big thing. It was called something like. I don't know, Slappy's Tales of Terror, something like that. And it, it's, beware, you're in for the skirt. <laughs> and it's sort of very, like, manga-style artwork, and it's just one book, and I think you can only get it in the States, actually, but what they should do is they should go for a Joker's Asylum kind of thing, or Tales from the Crypt, have a narrator, yeah, that sounds pretty and fun. have each issue be a different Goosebump story. I'd be down with that. I'd be down with that. Because a Goosebumps story is quite short and to the point. You could adapt a, a Goosebumps book into a 22-page comic book. Oh, not even, a, not even a Goosebumps one, but like a like a teen horror thing. Because he, he has done teen horror that isn't Goosebumps. He has, yeah. He's, he's, um, um, he's, he's, well, he's had several series of different things. He's done some stuff for point horror and things like that. But Goosebumps would be a pretty neat catch for Disney it to team be up neat, with. But it, yeah. Because Sony get... have the film rights to Goosebumps. Yeah, the, 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 the Sony and Disney rights. love working together now. 
That's no. happened. <laughs> no, but that, that would that would you know what I mean? That would be a yeah. sort of that might be part yeah. of their continued family movie sort of agreement things. Like, hey, you guys are gonna be distribu- distributing the Spidey movies, but we're gonna be making them for you. And also, you keep making your goosebumps movies, we'll keep plugging goosebumps to new generations of kids and new films. Yes. A Marvel Goosebumps series would would, would be the bee's tits. It would be It would be the bee's it would. All right, Tim. <laughs> but you know what he might be involved in? Oh. And this is purely speculation. Oh, mince. Um, but Marvel's next event is Monsters Unleashed. Yes, the, 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 the ominous MU of which we spoke about a few episodes back. A few episodes ago. We now know about this Monsters Unleashed. We now know that Cullen Bunn... Is the uh, skillful set of hands at the wheel? He's writing a five-issue five mini with a whole bunch of artists. Yerb. Um, and yeah, it's about mo- it's about monsters invading the Marvel universe. And as far as we can tell, kaiju-esque kind of events. Yeah, we're talking the big boys. We're talking Mole Man's biggest beasties. We're talking stuff from the Savage Land making its way to. To sort of New York yeah, kind like of classic events. Marvel monsters, but I'm, I'm from what I've seen of it, possibly also things that were in like Strange Tales or Journey into Mystery before they were um, uh, spun off before into they their were own superhero they anthology were, books. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were still like sci-fi and horror anthology books. So things like I can't remember any fucking names of them. Like that big green thing from the cover of Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, well, the you know the the the, the the pile that walks, or just ne- yeah, they have thing, weird things names. like Dragon Man and Fing Fang Foom will probably be involved yeah. in some way. I mean, Zemu I'm, the obviously Titan. one one of them's a good guy now, but you could still do stuff with that. Yeah, and um, um I, you see, I'm, I'm already Groot, down with that. Groot was a was a anthology horror monster it, before he was picked up. by well, well the Galaxy. yeah, it's not it's not our Groot, is it? No, is but it, it is. A, it's a Groot because he first appeared in the Hulk story, if I remember correctly, uh, possibly. Um, yeah, because he's created by Stan Lee. Because when Stan Lee was asked about, ca- about cameoing in Guardians, he was like, oh, I don't know, because I didn't... At this point, it's because they wanted him in it, because it's a tradition. Yeah. He was like, oh, I didn't have a hand in him. Because that was Captain America. He didn't create Captain America, but he brought him back with the Avengers. Yeah. So, you know, he did his cameo in Captain America. But with um, with Guardians, he was like, oh, well, I didn't create them, so I don't know if it, I should take the credit. And someone pointed out to him, uh, you created Groot. He was like, did I? It's like, yeah, you create this monster, this evil tree thing, and then writers later on decided, oh, there could be multiple ones, and then yeah, there'll be a good one that hangs out with a raccoon. Yes, <laughs> like, fair enough. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just weirdness. But um, they've re- they've released images of six new monsters, six new beasties, created by Cullen Bud and, il- and illustrated by Steve McNevin, Greg Land, Lionel Francis Yu, Salvador La Roca, Adam Cuba, and Art Adams, respectively. Mm-hmm. We've got Slizik, there, Scrag, Scrag, Mekra, oh, Aegis, eh? Oh, it's Aegis. I think it's Aegis. Ah, oh, and um, and Fireclaw. He's ah. basically Tony the Tiger meets Wolverine with Fair Fireclaws. Enough. It's basically image. Yeah, basically image <laughs> comics. It's just it's just image comics. Um, they are weird. an image. Like one's like a mech. I noticed that. Yeah, like Aegis like e- 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 is like a mech, and that, they've done little trading cards with little factoids about the new characters and like Transformers tech spec style stats. <laughs> um, so sort of, sort of give us a preview of what's in store in the so, new year. Yeah, we've got what we've got. We've got 
Uh, Hivo. Height varies. Weight varies. Well, that's not really useful. Powers <laughs> and abilities. Energy generation, manipulation, and transformation. Intelligence 1. Strength 3. Speed 7. Durability 6. Energy projection 7. Fighting ability 2. So it's a, big, know, it's a big shape-shifting beastie. Did you know Hivo possesses a childlike sense of wonder and innocence? So it just it gives you a little bit of um, of character for these new... They're new event characters, so they're going to be around for five minutes, and then <laughs> they're never going to get used again. Um, so, but Which it's just fair, dude. It's I mean, just if 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 the, if events were sort of as treated as sort of kind of flippantly and as just sort of a barrel fun as this, I'd probably plug into a well, few. Well, we're more saying of them. that now ahead of it coming out, but yeah, it'd probably be, but it'd be one of those things that's going to take over. It'll probably end up taking over all the books for like six months, like Civil War Two has, which has yeah. been going on forever, <laughs> and then they added an issue and. Uh, if it's just like a here's a five issue miniseries but and they, there'll be a couple tie-ins for a laugh. But again, they've done what they keep doing, where they have books that are set after the end of the event coming out before the events ended, so you now know. Like Infamous Iron Man <laughs> number one spoils the end of Civil War. <laughs> because I'll give you a clue. There's a reason Doctor Doom is taking up the Iron Man mantle and Riri Williams is taking up the Iron Man mantle. Is it because Tony's had a massage book? Just then? saying. Just saying, he's had a six-month massage book. We wouldn't we wouldn't have two new Iron Men if Tony Stark was still Iron Man, would we? So is he going to be? I think o- is he going to be okay? I Matthew? think we have a feeling. Matthew, is he going to be? Okay? I think we have a sense of how Civil War Two might end. Matthew, is he going to be alright? Um, <laughs> he'll be fine. Stop crying. Child. Child! He'll be fine. And if he isn't fine, he'll be fine in another two years when they've got another Iron Man movie to plug. So yeah, Monsters Unleashed <laughs> could be fun. And I hope it's just not another Heroes Fighting Heroes event. Like, yeah, that's All really of them style. have been... Well, apart from Secret Wars. Well. No, because there was a bit of that in it. Yeah. Well, well no less of it. House of M wasn't so much Heroes Fighting Heroes. Uh, no, no, no. As Heroes trying to figure out what the hell's gone on. It was what we were with. Civil War was heroes fighting heroes. Yeah. Secret Invasion was some heroes fighting some heroes because some heroes are scrolls. Ah, so it's not heroes versus heroes. Ha ha ha! Where it is? It is still. Uh, Siege yeah. was dark versions of heroes fighting heroes. Okay, good point. Um, Damn it. Yeah. Original Sin wasn't heroes fighting heroes. Uh, was at the end. Was it? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh. And um, well, 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 about fear itself. That's just shit. <laughs> <laughs> we do not speak of it. We do not um, speak. There is nothing to fear but the hard back cover of fear Aven- itself. Avengers vs. X-Men was heroes fighting oh, heroes. Yeah. Axis, yeah. Avengers, and X-Men end and up with some heroes becoming and villains heroes, fighting heroes and then those fighting the villains. Yeah. And- Secret yeah. Wars started with heroes fighting heroes because fucking the last incursion ends with fucking um, Tony and... <laughs> Steve just scrapping it out and refusing to see sense as the world ends around them because they're idiots. Plus it made for a good cover that would sell issues after the announcement of Civil War. The it film was a real good cover though. Um, it was. And then Civil War 2 <laughs> is just like it's, it's just dudes fighting. It's, it's Carol Danvers having not seen Minority Report going, a predictive justice sounds like a good idea. Like, no. It is in no like it's not a new idea. Like to, 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 that doesn't to ring put true to me fiction. as something Carol would even well, champion anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then Iron Man's like, no, you can't judge people on what they haven't done yet. So then they <laughs> all fight. 
So you're just saying that because you constantly turn into a dick. Yeah, you're saying that because you constantly fuck up, Tony. That's why. <laughs> um, but I've not read some... I'm going to have to give it a good read, but I'm just need to get... I'm probably going to wait for the trade. Because it's not finished yet, and I can't be arse tracking down the individual issues, to be honest. And try and grabbing it in nougat-sized chunks. And also, it's just fucking expensive, so... Well, do you know, we'll see. Do you know what you can do to, uh, to, 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 to make yourself feel better about the whole Marvel situation? What's that? Take solace in the fact that they're swimming in money. They are swimming in money. That makes me to, feel better. Thanks to a certain no, doctor doesn't. doing very well. A certain doctor? A certain doctor. Is this a strange doctor? <laughs> yes. Are doctor should... Strange has outshone all financial projections so far. Mr. Doctor. And it's not even out in the States as of that report. The States get it, like, tomorrow. It's doing pretty well. In the real world. When this episode is aired, the States will have it. It's still out in 30 territories, over 30 territories. Yes. Is it out in China? It's out in Hong Kong. It is out in Hong Kong. Okay, right. Um, Because I did wonder, because obviously they have a thing about magic, but it's more so magic in association with the representation of death, isn't it? It's like Ghostbusters wasn't allowed in China because it implies that the dead come back and and harass people you which can't they don't have spooky, like spooky scary skeletons in there yeah or shivers down your spine hey um but yeah so so strange has opened up here there and everywhere and has done really bloody well because yeah. i imagine they were thinking the inter the take for this is not going to be anywhere near civil war money mm-hmm. it's probably going to be along the similar lines of ant-man and what we projected for guardians because guardians blew up well it's taken more Ooh, hey, hey. God, I'm tired. Um, it's taking it out of you. It's taking it's taking There's a cripple bloke somewhere in New York who's sucking your energy out to just power his spine. Just the thought of having to read Civil War 2 is taking it out of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love comics. I'm Ringing endorsements. Um, uh, he's beaten Guardians of the Galaxy. Say what? Already? Yeah. Well, no, in terms oh, based of like, on territories. In terms of the territory right, over the weekend, gotcha. it's beaten it. I was going to say, Jesus, what? It's beating Iron Man, it's beating Guardians, it's beating Winter Soldier. Oh so it's, you know, superhero fatigue's really setting in. <laughs> you know, people are really tired of these movies. You know what I think this is? I think it's a mix of people who freaking love Benedict Cumberbatch. The, the people, there are people who love Benedict Cumberbatch. People who trust Marvel to tell them a good story. There are people who trust Marvel to tell them a good story. And people who are like, I like shit like Harry Potter. This film's about magic. I do like that sort of stuff. Oh, go on then. I've got the magic in me. I think it was a smart decision actually to bring this out just before Fantastic Beasts. I think if Fantastic Beasts had come out a few weeks before, Strange would be buried beneath the mound of Fantastic Beasts. The mound. Warner Brothers is one hope for success. Yes. Which does look pretty sweet, actually. Every new trailer makes me kind of giddy to see it. It looks intriguing. It looks like a film. I don't think I'm going to rush out and see it. How dare you, sir? How dare you not want to go out and see Eddie Redmayne's totally unique performance? <laughs> a performance he genuinely generated from nothing but his own imagination and not because he one night in the middle of the night, probably in a hotel in the States, turned on BBC America and watched Matt Smith for a bit in Doctor Who. It's definitely an original performance. I can't take Eddie Redmayne seriously now after watching Jupiter Ascending. Why did you do that to yourself? <laughs> I just, I just can't. Because he's... You're just expecting him to sort of whisper. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous in that film. I want to see a spin-off. 
everything is ridiculous in Jupiter Ascending. What are you talking about? There's nothing ridiculous about a part wolf, part bee. Sean Bean oh. is part bee. <laughs> Bean. Sean, Sean Bean, Bean is part bee. <laughs> I want to see a spin-off where Eddie Redmayne's character from Jupiter Ascending hangs out with John Travolta's character from Battlefield Earth. Battlefield oh, Earth? Oh, God. Is it Battlefield Earth? Yes. Yeah. I want to see those two characters in a movie. While you were learning to, to spell your name, I <laughs> has been trained to conquer galaxies. <laughs> oh, Christ. Why don't we ask our friendly bartender? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so bad. We may have to do a Battlefield Earth special. We're going to have point. to do something on Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Probably shit on its corpse. Yeah, um, oh, God. Oh, no, it's actually really bad. <laughs> but I've watched it more times than some of my favourite movies. That's worrying. Uh, I know. Congratulations, though, Doctor Strange. Congrats. With your Battlefield on Earth. We liked Doctor Strange a lot, didn't we? We really, we really liked Strange. it quite a lot. We dug it. It's very good. You should see it. You should see it. You should see it. Um, oh, what you have? I have seen it. Hey! So, it was Halloween recently. Was it? Yeah. I didn't know. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but there was an awful lot of creepy clown stuff going around. Yeah, pre-Halloween, yeah. even. Blimey, yeah. So, it's what, what started out apparently, like, or seemingly like a bit of a harmless, just trying to spook people out and they're up to Halloween kind of thing, that flourished into, oh... There are other people doing it now, and they're carrying weapons. Oh, someone's been hurt. This is pretty horrific. Congratulations, people. You've fucking spoiled it. This spoiled is why everything. we can't have nice things. Well done. As oh. per usual, someone has to take it too fucking far. <sighs> so how do you fight fire of this magnitude with fire? Batman. Who? Yeah, fucking Batman. <laughs> There's no leading. It's just Batman. Um, it's just Batman. Who do you who do you employ to deal with evil clowns? So this the goddamn Dark Knight. This is a story that popped up on Newsarama. Um, Hit me with this stuff. I've not read this. I I you just basically said to me before we start recording. Oh yeah, Batman's been pulled in to deal with evil clowns. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, what? Police department blames the Joker for recent clown harassment. Oh Jesus! Sent up on Halloween on Newsarama. <laughs> The police department of Fairpoint, New York, have released findings that seem to confirm what many comic book fans have likely surmised for some time, that the recent spate of creepy clowns around America are the work of the Joker, the clown prince of crime, and Batman's arch nemesis. The Fairpoint police have received a lead in the crazy clown epidemic that has been gripping the nation. We have received information that these clowns are the henchmen of, you guessed it, the Joker, reads a statement made on Facebook. Unfortunately, the Fairpoint police have reached out for some extra help in dealing with their clown problem. Batman himself. And there's a little picture of a bunch of, a couple of policemen with one wearing a Batman mask. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, since verifying this new information, the Fairpoint Police Department have recruited the assistance of America's favourite caped crusader, Batman. Batman has been given a Fairpoint police uniform and police car to be on patrol in the Fairport area and alert for any suspicious activity. Please call 911 and if you observe anything suspicious and we will signal Batman from atop the village hall where the blue light shines. <laughs> Have a safe and happy Halloween from the members of Fairpoint Police Department. Uh, Fairport, sorry, not Fairpoint. What I like about um, that is it's clearly an amusing little sort of yeah, jo- jo- jokey like, holiday story. It's their little Halloween thing. That's well, quite fun. What's the bet in that policeman was like, Okay, take the mask off now, Sean. I was like, no. No, it's cool. I'll I'm keep it on for a little on. longer. Sean, you take it. I, I need to give it back to my kid. It's his costume for Halloween. I'm keeping the fucking mask on. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am the knight. Sean, I, I, we're going to need to take that off you. I need to give the costume back. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> I, I never said you were, Sean. Sean. Sean, why why have you got a crowbar tucked into your sleeve? Stop scraping that van, Sean! <laughs> what does that do? Why is that a thing, Sean? Why? No one knows. No one knows. But that's kind of magical. Um, magic, magic, magic. Magic, magic, magic. We had one in the UK a few weeks ago. Yes. Guy dressed as Batman who made like a statement on a video basically saying, in full-on Christian Bale like armour and voice... That he's going to be dealing with the clowns in his area. You do get that. You and do he, get. He, he hasn't violently apprehended him, but he's scared some off apparently. And it's like that's pretty sweet. You do get these like real life superheroes who uh, I say that I should put that yeah. in scare. I'm going to put that in scare quotes for our listeners. <laughs> real life superheroes who are people who dress up in um, costumes and do like community outreach stuff and try and tackle local crime. I haven't heard of anyone getting killed yet, so we've not quite gone into Mark military tree, but. It's, it's it's fairly popular. I met one of them once. What? The Night Warrior. Do you remember him? He was a Salford superhero a few years ago. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about this. Yeah. Where's his original... I'm trying to find his original costume. Yeah. Uh, basically... I can't find his original one. But basically, it was, a, it was a, a lad local to the Salford area. There was his original costume. It was a lad local to the Salford area... He wanted to just sort of do his bit. He basically patrolled areas at night where kids felt a bit unsafe because there were sort of bigger kids hanging out and creeping about and everything. So he got a bit of publicity. And we talked about it and like local papers interviewed him about it. Which was a mistake because of course then you see photos of him with his mum and it kind of destroys the uh, destroys the image a little bit. Of... Not as much destroying the image as the fact that he's not wearing a codpiece. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you say that. but after Get the, those tights off. After the publicity came through, in fact, there he is visiting the old radio station I used to work at. Um, <laughs> he, after oh, he is, while, he is wearing hockey pads. Yeah, after a, whilst they, after a while, he got a full costume upgrade. I'm trying to find a picture of the upgraded costume. That, that's the closest one I can find. He got like a full upgraded outfit. So he was covered in enough stuff to deal with anybody who actually did try and hurt him. He never attacked anyone. He was always just more about trying to ward people off. But when you're about... Six foot, um, like and a built like a brick shit house. You can do that when you're about five foot five and clearly quite a scrawny lad. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. No, he's not a. It didn't help that briefly his girlfriend became his sidekick, wearing a very brightly coloured outfit. Here's the thing: his entire intention is amazing, and I absolutely adore the fact that he gave it a go. I really do, because he did it with the best of intentions. But at the same time, I'm so glad that after a couple of years doing it, he retired and hung up his cape at the ripe old age of 20. Yeah. Um, no, not, not, bless the lad. He did, he did it on and off for like two years. And what was really weird is I was in LA watching Hollywood Babylon on an episode where they mentioned it. <laughs> and I had to yell out that I met him because I was drunk. <laughs> So it's like Hollywood Babble on episode something or other. I yell out, I've met him! And they're like, what? And they're like, where are you from the UK? And I'm like, yes! I've met him! He was at the radio station I work at! <laughs> they're like, what? They were really confused. Kevin Smith thought it was the most bizarre thing. I, they weren't as freaked out as I was. I was like the one show where they mentioned a Salford superhero. And you were there. And I'm there in LA <clears throat> to talk about it firsthand. It was Jesus. the weirdest thing. I don't remember that much of our conversation other than I drunk two drinks called a zombie. Cocktails called a zombie. Which is one of everything. 
and it's got a, it's a red <laughs> it's a red colour and it's meant to make you feel like the living dead. Did it? Yes. Okay. Well, I had that... two and five beers. Nice. I felt like crap. Nice. Oh. Um. Oh dear. Yeah. So uh, after this, I'm gonna have another zombie dressed up like Batman, and we're gonna go patrol our local area. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Well, speaking of uh, people protecting their local area from threats and supernatural invasions oh, and stuff, Matt and I continued our uh, ever-loving quest to make it feel like it's pointless being on this earth and that we deserve all the misery we can get by watching Class Episode 3. Now, for those who are long-time listeners, first-time writers, you may realise that last week, our conclusion of Class was, I really didn't like it. And Matt was like, eh, it's not for me, so it doesn't upset me. However, I watched Class Episode 3, because I wanted to give it a chance. And I'm a sucker for a Monster of the Week uh, TV show if the yeah. monster looks interesting. And... I had feelings. You watched it this morning out of curiosity or because you thought Chris is going to tell me about I it? I thought <laughs> it was going to come up. And also when we go to our questions, we've got some class discussion going on. So. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, it's we'll, going to be an ongoing topic, I feel. Yeah. We'll touch briefly on, on episode three because I don't, here's the thing. I don't want to get give the wrong impression here. If you are enjoying class, because it does have a fan base, um, if you are enjoying it, Great. I'm glad you are. Look, if you, if you enjoy getting your nuts trod on by a woman in heels, more power to you. You get your kicks where you can. Like, But don't ask me to do it. But this is our podcast, and the opinions we express are, are our opinions. They're actually our opinions. So if you don't agree with our opinions, That's don't fine. tell us we're wrong. Because you're not wrong for having a different opinion. Yeah. I mean, you could say class is good television, and then you are wrong. <laughs> Like, that's... Yeah, if, wrong if, about if you look that. at it from an analytical sort of thing, there is some terrible story structure and character choices you're, being you're made in this You're more than welcome show. to enjoy it, but it's not good. I really <laughs> did not like episode I... three. I think the opening the opening montage was cheesy as balls. I get the point that it was trying to illustrate. Oh, it was God, cheesy it was as balls. so heavy-handed. But the opening image of the episode proper is chilling. Imagine having a character who we know who we know their father is no longer alive. And it's a big point of, of upset for them. Well, it, And they've finally got over it. We only know of it because of a throwaway line from the previous episode. <laughs> but imagine, if you will, this was say, like season three of a show, and we know this character well, and we know that that is something about them. And then suddenly, specifically, say this character in a season three, say their father was in season one. And we lost their father in season one. Yeah. Season yeah, two, yeah. they're kind of dealing with it. Season three, they've dealt with it. Then suddenly they wake up one night and their father is sat on a chair chair at the end of the room opposite their bed. There, physical, real, doesn't look too well. Sort of something a bit odd about them. And there's a thing trailing out of their back out of the window. But it's them. They're physically there. You could tell a really freaking powerful story with that. No, yeah. the character acted yeah. like it was totally normal, like, you're not my dad, you're an alien. At the beginning. There was definitely a failure in performance there, I felt. I think all the actors are very capable. I don't think they're giving their best performances in this show. No. And no. it could be down to direction, it could be down to the script, it could be down to the fact that they are young and they need to sort of do a few more things and be a little bit older to tell stories with this kind of 
depth, maybe. Like like I said last week, it's the <laughs> it's the <laughs> Maisie Williams of Shield Day thing. Maisie Williams is pretty great in Game of Thrones. I believe yeah. she was pretty good in that cyberbullying drama. But in Doctor Who, I thought she was awful. And a lot of it was down to it being a very badly written character. Yeah, but also terrible. Also an 18, 19 year old actress cannot play somebody who is world weary and has lived a million lifetimes. They can't do it. They just cannot portray that unless they kind of have that air about them already that makes them feel like they're ahead of their time. Yeah. Like Matt Smith takes the role of the Doctor at the age of, what was it, 27 when he was, he was cast young, in the yeah. role? And yet you believe this was a much older man. Like he just had that, he has that vibe about him. He could play world weary. He could play that while still being childish and, yeah. and goofy. Yeah, yeah. Maisie Williams didn't have that. And and similarly, I don't think the actors of class, I think they're still kind of playing this at a level of, you know, um, and this isn't a slag off of the medium I'm about to mention, but like soap opera. Like melodrama. Yeah, in a way, yeah, like yeah. They're, they're, they're sort of playing realistic characters in terms of their approach to the characters. But this show doesn't call for that. It's about aliens and, and gore and the dead coming back to life. You need to play that with a sense of heightened reality. You have to. Yeah. And they're not doing that. They're not consciously approaching it like that. Even our oddball alien prince is just sort of playing it like a bit of a bland data. <laughs> I'm very posh. I'm very posh and a little out of place. Yeah, and that's it. It's like, oh, okay. Fair enough. Like, if you're going to go hell for leather in that character, do it. Make that character be somebody who stands out. Hellbent. Hellbent for leather. Don't tell us that they've been there for presumably at least a year, long enough to be considered just like one of the the class and everything, and then be like, yeah, I'm perfectly normal. That's not the interesting story. We don't want to see Thor sitting in a canteen in his first movie on Earth, acting like it's perfectly normal. We want to see him swilling coffee and going more another and smashing the cups and things like you want to see him being there for the first time and adjusting to that world and we're not getting that with these characters we're getting it as though everybody's just ah same old same old you know same old same old just the doctor and clara oswald in the tardis and with that trailer i suddenly went well i'm not interested yeah i don't want same old same old nope i want it to be exciting new stories it does feel like they've settled into this groove that they're in. Teen angst or alien invasion. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, you're in episode three. Like, why are you so blasé about this? It's way too easy. That's the sort of thing you meant to joke about three seasons in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. But yeah, I so I... Oh, I guess we're going to have to keep up on it because people are going to keep asking us about it. And again, it feels like they don't have a storyline for April. Oh, the next episode looks like it's going to be April's focus. Yeah, but even then it's not her story. It's the story of the alien she's connected with. and Yeah, which they've forgotten about the last couple of episodes. And Ram's got a robot leg, but that's okay, because his, his, his girlfriend, who he apparently really loved, was brutally murdered in front of him a couple of weeks ago, but now he's kissing April. When they're meant to be going to save their friends, because they've both gone, oh my god, what's happening? It's trailing that way. Let's go find out what it's about. No, we're going to sit at a bus stop and have a conversation about how my dad's a country singer. And she really upsets me. Her dad's in next week's episode, all right? So we're going to get a bit of that. Played by Con O'Neill, who's a fantastic actor. Mm. And I'm just, now I'm looking at it three episodes in and going, Con O'Neill's going to be wasted. Like, maybe he got wasted to play it. But we're going to tune in next week and Con O'Neill is going to be wasted. Like, Catherine Kelly is sort of being wasted. Everything's being... Miss Quill's a meme machine. Hate it. Hate the weird rules they're creating. Oh, he ha- he has to be in danger for you to do anything. They're really inconsistent. Yeah. Also, I'm going to throw in a really quick line about how my bond is stronger with you, my boyfriend. Um, 
and that's how it works on my planet. You have to have a bond with one person or group. My bond is stronger with you. It was never strong with my parents. They never really got me. Oh, look, there's two people sort of flashing there in the room. Are they going to manifest? No. Oh, are we going to explain that? No. Yeah, and a throwaway line no. at the end where he goes, my parents nearly appear, but my bond is not strong with them. And it's, it's said in the background during wrap-up chatter. It's like, what is this? What is this? It's what just, is this show? It's just messy. So that thing... Also, why would that creature... Why would the thing... Oh, God. Why would it go... Right, our anchor point is this 14-year-old girl because out of everybody in London... Because those tendrils were going everywhere. Out of everybody in the city of London, she is the most emotionally strong and emotionally crippled by what happened to her father. No, I'm sorry. No. 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 no she was no. talking last episode about how she was like, yeah, I was mad for a bit because he left us, but then I got over it. Because you have to. You have to move on. She was saying to Ram, like, you've got to move on with loss. You have to, because otherwise it'll, it'll drag you down. Well, she was the anchor point for the creature, because she... It... Do you know why that, how that would have worked? I was talking to, um, what's it, Guy about it? Our old chum Guy. And I said, do you know how that would work? If at the end, start of episode two, they make this really stupid point of, why is no one talking about what happened at the dance? Because I guess that's what people do, they just move on. No. Have council sessions at the school yeah. from episode two. Because the school saw these creatures attack the dance, and a girl died. A pupil was stabbed to death and then eviscerated like annihilated in front of people although she's missing she's missing but like she's definitely dead yeah. so like have a counselling session and have episode three start with Tanya it's Tanya isn't it Tanya a counselling session with the counsellor at school asking yeah. her about stuff and obviously she doesn't want to say what she knows but maybe they tap into home life and she gets a bit uppity about it and she doesn't really want to talk about it and this is the first we find out about her father yeah she doesn't really want to talk about her dad and she just sort of wigs out and she's like, can I go now? And they're like, yeah, we're not forcing you to stay, you know, if you want to go. And that's us going, oh, there's something about her dad that she doesn't want to talk about. What is it? Yeah. Then as she leaves, show one of those gateways, one of those bum holes of time or whatever they call it. <laughs> bum, bum hole in time. Show one of those. The gateway. Show one of those, like, cracking time style openings. Do you know what I mean? Like, or show that it was there in the room the whole time. Yeah. And that it, you know, grabs the counsellor or it doesn't. Because then, you can go, guess what? It opened at that moment. That thing found a gateway to our world. And the first person it heard was Tanya. So Tanya's its anchor point. We know her. We know her pain. We root with her. So you start with the dad. Then, the longer she's talking to the dad, in an impressively written two-hander between that actress and the actor playing the dad that is more than one note. Because I got the sense that he's very good as well, but he wasn't being given much to do. He was, do- he was doing more, though. Yeah, but she wasn't, she wasn't giving. No, and again, that, very... that could be down to direction. It but... could be anything even, but yeah, it's just... Have it so that the longer she talks to him, the more it's rooted. So then you see, over the course of that first 20 minutes, another tendril comes out. And then another. And then another. So it's escalation. So it's like, oh my God, the longer it's here it's going to screw with us. And it's either going to, it either has to delay long enough to devour as many people as it likes, or if it manages to devour her, it then anchors and it's here and it will keep feeding off different people. Yeah. That'd be great. Also, we've seen it cover people in stuff. They never really explain what that was about. Nope. Like, I'm guessing they were the people who didn't have inherent tragedies in their life. But then it implies that it already spoke to her mum, and that's why she's covered in tendrils and paralysed. 
because it already spoke to her and it didn't get a response out of her. I'm sorry, no. She would have ran over and grabbed him immediately and hugged him. I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not to sound like a, I could write about a TV show, then why don't you do it? Because it isn't as easy as that. Don't be so flippant and facetious. But at the same time, I have just devised, my opinion, a better version of that premise already. Yeah. Because then that's it. And and you make sure that the way it's defeated isn't by a boss being driven through a tendril. You defeat it in a very clever emotional way between those two characters having the conversation. You find a way to do it. And you don't do it with the anger. You left! Or you do. You make that her therapy session. This is her finally opening up about losing her dad. Yeah. And that's what defeats it. You know what I mean? Like, do that. Just... To defeat it with the power of heart. Yeah, and only have maybe one or two of the other characters visited by someone from their past. Yeah? Yeah. Don't show it happening all over the place. Because you could literally have it that's like, trying to stay alive in the meantime, it is just grabbing random passers-by and dragging them into it. Because it needs to eat something to stay... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because then you get the whole creepy body horror... Because even in that, they mentioned that, like, they they found their way to... They found out about Earth because of cracks in the universe. So they're implying that the events of Series 5 of Doctor Who meant they somehow saw Earth and were like, oh, that'd be a good one to feed on. We'll get there at some point. But then why didn't it come sooner? Oh, because it had to wait for the bunghole in time to open up. <laughs> and why have none of the kids gone, so who was that space wizard with the box? Who was yeah. that? Yeah. You know, the guy who randomly just said, we've got a mission now. Who was that? No, Miss awful... Quill, you seem to know him. Who was that? There's an awful lot of things being unsaid in this. Oh, God. Which apparently is good writing. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, Christ. I don't like it. But it's not about me, except it is. Because it's our opinions. <laughs> now, it's also about you guys. We're gonna, speaking of you guys, we're going to mix up the regular and Doctor Who questions this week. Nice. Is it because we've got a nice healthy mix? We've got, we've got a bit of a mix, and also the, the way people send us them, they don't like, they don't split them out. So. I think people have cottoned yes. on to the fact that we do kind of like reluctantly answering Doctor Who questions. I mean, it's reluctant. It's we, therapy, yeah. in a way. It is sort of... It is sort of therapy. It's therapeutic. It's it's cathartic. <laughs> it's a bit like a colonic. It's cathartic. <laughs> Welcome to your email stroke Matt and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly answer Doctor Who questions. Ah, uh, we've got another one from Jacob. Jacob, our regular contributor. E- the fifth Beatle, if you will. Um, EA! EA! Sports. It's in the game. Hello, Chris and Matt. Again, this is not my uh, impression of Jacob. Because um, I don't know what you sound like. Um... <laughs> Wasn't class good this week, I say sarcastically. Before I get into ranting mode, I would think to say that I relate to none of these characters. I'm 14, I go to secondary school, but to me personally, none of these characters are relatable on any level. What are you talking about? You sit in individual desks in your school, don't you? Like in America. You definitely do that, don't definitely, you? Definitely, definitely do that. <sighs> First of all, this has been the weakest episode of class so far, so I'll be talking about episode three. <laughs> the, the passing of the episode was extremely slow. Sorry. The passing... I, th- I think you mean pacing. The pass- pacing of the episode was extremely slow. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was bored while watching it. This episode was obviously focused on Tanya, or whatever her name is. She got some decent character development, and I feel like her and Ram are the most developed characters. The best thing about the episode for me was the villain. I thought they were really creepy and they suit the class unitard. 
<laughs> Dad predictive text. I don't know what that means, but it sounds interesting. I'm guessing universe, but um, aren't all the same. I yeah, do appreciate I do the like unitard. unitard. That's, that's a good one. They fit the class unitard. Oh, class unitards. Get on the merchandising rights now, Jacob. You can make a mint. Um, also, Miss Quill got some character development. We found out she had a sister. Yay, that was a sarcastic yay. Fair enough. Uh, to finish off with my review of this episode of Hashtag Sexy, Hashtag Today is Practically Tomorrow... Class, it was boring and was not engaging at all. Now, for your Doctor Who questions. My God, we've been sentenced. <laughs> well, I agree with pretty much everything Uh-oh. you said there. Um, although I wouldn't say it's development to say Quill had a sister because we didn't really learn much about her or her family. Well, or what. We learned... Also, why did her sister look like a human? And why did the parents that briefly flash look, look like humans? We learned that Quill apparently kill each other in the nest when they're young. Or try to. Quill? To out the young ones. Quill? So the species he's got... Oh, she isn't. She's just species She's called Quill. Miss Quill. But she species They kill each other Quill. in the nest. So again, you're making her into a non-human character, but you want us to relate to her through human empathy. I just... Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Who are you guys, top three favourite Doctors, least favourite villains, and how would you fix Doctor Who? Wow. Well, I think we've talked let's about that, how we would fix do Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, let's recap, in case I can't remember. I'd take it off air for a couple of years, then bring it back with a new showrunner, and maybe a new Doctor. Yeah. Oh, and I'll tell you what. Have a spe- take it off for a year, then bring it back for a special in the second year, where you hand over the reins from one actor to the other. And then come back with the full series as a full relaunch the year after. I think I'd agree. It just needs a full change of the guard. Get all the people who are working on New the show writers. now. New writers, even the writers, I li- even the writers I like, get them yeah, off. Yeah, because they're stuck in a rut. They're, ju- they're stuck new doing team. the same thing again. Just yeah, it'll be the same new vibe. Team. Need a new team. Um, have Michael Pickwode, the guy who does the majority of the set and props design, sort of hand the reins over over the course of a series to another person because I think that we do need a bit of a fresh look. He does incredible work. Yeah, he's does one, look nice he's one of the most consistently yeah. brilliant elements of the show. But I think if you're going to have the new look, it needs to look new. So like, you would need a new TARDIS, for example. Uh, you would need um, definitely a sort of new visual style to the show as a whole uh, and new kinds of aliens and, and, and uh, civilizations. I would also not be um I would also not be so sheepish about having monsters in your show again. Yeah. Have monsters in your show because that's one of the fun things about it for a young viewer is the monsters and the show doesn't really do monsters anymore. Like it, it does it, cryptic it has, hints. Yeah, or it has misunderstood beasties, but like you know, give us something evil. Give us something that'll scare us. Yeah. And don't be afraid to do an entire series with just new monsters. But at least one story with something we know. Yeah. And it's probably going to be the Daleks because of copyright reasons, allegedly. But, you know, like, go for it. Give us an Auton story again. Yeah, oh, God, I love an Auton. Love an Auton. Yeah, I love an Auton. Well, um, least favourite villains? In three. Was it top three? I think it's top three favorite? least favourite. Top three favourite. In Doctor Doctors. Who? Yes, yeah, top three least favourite villains. In all of Doctor Who. Uh, um, the Fisher King, because what was the point? Uh, that was from the uh, after, um, uh, after the after the flood, before, well before the flood, and uh, under the lake, or whatever, the, it's, called, whatever yeah. it's called. It's um, the Fisher King was pointless. It was too an interesting design and two tremendously talented people lending their vocals to it, but it was just sort of like, what is this? Um, uh, da, 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 da. Their ongoing treatment of the Sontarans. I'm going to class that as a villain. 
because I would like to be reminded at some point that they are a vicious warlike race. Oh, just so Strax, basically. Yeah, which is, again, not the fault of the actor per se, but... No, we let them back. The thing that did it for me was... Because I like Strax as a character. I do enjoy Strax. What did it for me was in Time of the Doctor where we saw two Sontarans trying to invade Trenzalore, Town of Christmas, during the montage of villains, and they were goofy Sontarans. It was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, we need them to be more like they were in uh, the adventure games in the gunpowder plot where they were still bloodthirsty warmongers. The Sontarans um, are still a threat. Yeah. Uh, if you've not downloaded the gunpowder plot, uh, please do. It's a pretty great game. It features some fantastic voice acting. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like, but but in that they were bad guys, and I want to see that again. So yeah, and um, the classic era. I can't think of a villain that I don't like. I really enjoy the classic era's bad guys for the most part. I can think of. I mean, there's some that have aged badly, but they're pretty great still. Like even sort of the daft ones that seem a little bit daft in comparison to actual villainous threats, like Eric Klieg. Is still kind of a great villain for two. I like Eric Lee quite a lot. Master of the world. Like, they're still enjoyable characters. Um, if you like Eric Klieg, his ongoing adventures can be heard in the Aimless Wandering videos. Of course. Eric Klieg appears quite of often. Of course. Um, who else? Oh, it's mostly modern villains I don't like. Like, the, 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 the villain of Fear Her is a great idea. And, but the only bit where it feels threatening is when it's the dad. Yeah. But that's more the threat of the dad than the creature. So, yeah, I, I, Fisher King, ongoing treatment of the Sontarans and the crooked man from Hyde. There you go. Because it turned out to be a misunderstood creature who just wanted to be with its love. Um, and also the fact that the Winders turned out to not be threatened, threats in The Beast Below. Yeah. You don't get... Is it Terrence Hardiman? Yeah. You don't get him and then not make him a baddie. The winders were quite good. <laughs> Especially in a kid's show, make him a baddie. He's great at baddies. Um, so I I was thinking about our conversation about Paradise Towers a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so I think I had to put the architect in Cragnon. Yes. On yeah. that list, because Jesus. Some glowing lights. Jesus. Um, Richard Bryer's doing his best goose stepping. The Absorbal Off, because I hate living monsters. Oh, no. Yes. You can't do that. It was designed by a child who the show was aimed at. It was designed by a child who can't fucking design monsters. Hey. Yeah. Well, to be fair, to be fair, it wasn't his fault. It's, yeah, it's, I know, it's, I it get was that. the monster we got. The I, monster's fine. The thing I don't it's... like about the Absorbable Office is Peter Kay's performance. Yeah, the monster's fine, but the way it's used in the story and the story itself are fucking garbage. Um, so that, yeah, I will defend that story. But go on, <laughs> defend that story, and you will lose as I spare you through the heart <laughs> and uh, spare through the heart. You're to blame, like loving monsters as a bad man. I like a lot of villains, even the cheesy ones, like you were saying, <laughs> the classic series. The new ones are just a bit, some just a bit rubbish. Like um, the Silence, for example. In retrospect, I think a shit. Yeah, that was a because good, of where they went with them. It was a good concept when they were introduced, and then yeah. they did nothing good with them. Yeah, they were so pointless by the end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as for top three, top three Doctors, I do. I kind of want to do a video one day. Because top tens are popular and they're straightforward to make. And they're sort of pointless, but at the same time, people do sometimes just like watching your opinion. So yeah. I do kind of want to do a top... My, my Doctor's Ranked. 
which Colin Baker will hate me for, <laughs> until, until, he re- until he realizes that he may actually be much higher in the list than anyone would think. Yay! Um, currently, my bottom doctors are the War Doctor because you know, we don't really get to know him. So what's the point? And Capaldi, because his era's not over, so I can't really judge it in its entirety, but also his Doctor's my least favourite Doctor so far. Um, Which is annoying because I like Peter Capaldi I so much. I adore him, and he does have his moments. He yeah. does have his moments as the character. I'm like, oh, you're great. But, you know, it's inconsistencies. Um, some would say, well, what about McCoy? He was inconsistent. No, he grew. He was a clown, and then he settled into he, his body. He grew like a beautiful Scots flower. Yes, he's more. Than, um, he's he's much more than just another time lord. With a ferret down his trousers. Yes. Who, who's um, your top three? Who's your three? Uh, from three to one. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, Tenant Pertwee Baker, Tom Baker. Nice. I, my three at the minute are probably in third Smith because I have a huge, huge respect for his ability in, again, in hindsight to elevate material that doesn't quite work. Yeah. Plus, I think if I was going to meet one of the doctors, like if it was just a case of you bump into one in a corridor mid-adventure, I'd want to bump into Smith because he's just so lovely. Um, second place, Pertwee. First place, you all fucking know by now. Um, it will always be and forever be. Oh, you know. Bananas are good. Um, so, <laughs> King Eccles Cake, our Lord and Saviour. Um, yeah, that's it for my doctors. Yeah, good. Smith, Pertwee, um, Eccleston. Before I say goodbye, Jacob Wright. It's the hardest thing to say. I want to say that you make my week a better one. Aww. I don't really have any friends who like stuff that like Doctor Who, Star Wars, superheroes. So I enjoy immensely listening to two nutters who love this stuff as much, or maybe even more than I do. Well, Jacob, you're very welcome. You're we... a very, you're very sweet, very polite, very, very sweet, wonderful young man. Very sweet and good to us. I'll tell you this, mate. You don't have to hold out long. Come post high school, start of college years, especially if you've got a college, you're, oh, God, you will yeah, finally you'll finally meet fi- people. You'll be fine. You will you'll finally fine. meet people who no longer feel like they have to. Because the thing is, you will be surrounded by people who like this stuff. Yeah. They'll just pretend they don't because they feel they won't fit in if they do. When you get to college, you meet the people who go, screw that, I like this shit, do you like it? Me too, great, let's talk about it. So don't worry about it. You've not got long to wait till you meet more like-minded individuals. But till then, I'm happy that we help alleviate yes. some of the uh, the stress of being a, uh, a closet-dwelling nerd. I've been there. It sucked. <laughs> when I say so... closet-dwelling nerd, I'm not making assumptions on your sexuality. I'm happy to help. But what I am saying is you don't have a cave, so you've probably got a closet you full of gadgets closet. and superhero outfits. <laughs> Batman costumes. Before I dig a hole deeper in that closet. But uh, then Jacob forgot a question, so he sent us another one. Fair enough. Um, An in epilogue. My, in my last email, I forgot to ask you, what are your top five favourite Marvel movies? Oh, Jesus. Um, There's think, 14 of those now. If we're talking about the MCU films, yeah, I think we'll save this for a podcast. Jacob, I think we'll come, we're going to table your question, which is a very good question. We're going to yeah. come back to it and we're going to do it in more depth. You've inspired an episode. So thank you for sending us that. We were gonna, we're going to use that. So look out for that one. Because I think I, I had fun doing that with Red Dwarf. Yeah. Well, I think we should do it with some, uh, some MCU stuff. Some few backyarders. Ay, 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 and other such noises from 90s cartoons and games. Um, what's next, you gorgeous beast? Lewis Christian. <laughs> Whose views we may or may not endorse. Uh, hello there. 
members of the Huge Darned podcast, knockoffs. <laughs> Those fuckers over at Huge Darned are going to have us over a barrel. <laughs> That's your phrase of the week. Oh, I'm tempted to call this episode over a barrel. <laughs> over a barrel of class. Um, I have a question. Oh, yes. Have either of you watched any Black Mirror? Thoughts on it? If so, I have. I think we've both watched the same amount. Have you watched all of the original run, the Channel 4 I've run? only watched the first season okay. and the first two episodes of season three. Not yet. I, I've watched the complete Channel 4 stuff, so series one, two, and White Christmas. I ad- And the first two episodes of series three as well, yeah. I adore that first season. It's so And good. I've really liked the first episodes of season three so far. Season um, three is, season one is great. Because you start with a ridiculous premise that is frighteningly realistic, really. The, the Rory Kinnear stuff. Oh, God, yeah. It's because horrifying. you're like, oh, God, this could happen. It's horrifying. And that's not even touching on the whole thing we found out later that sort yes. of is connected to Which it. Which, to be fair, isn't really true, but it's just... Involving a pig! Uh, episode three is really bleak, the Toby Kebbell one. Oh, God, it's just yes. Like, I mean, it's already depressing watching a couple fall apart on television. But watching it happen to that degree with the whole scrutiny and the CCTV aspect of it, but in a personal context, it's like, this is depressing. This is so depressing. Um, plus it starts Black Mirror's theme of, don't worry, the horrible stuff will mostly happen to people who are very rich. Yes, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And But episode two of series one is, is still, I think, maybe my favourite Black Mirror story. 10 million credits, is it? Is it 15 million? 15 million credits. 15 million merits? But mostly, merits, that's one. But mostly because it's like the only, I think out of all the Black Mirror stories, actually, it's the only, until, um, until uh, Nosedive, first one, series three, it's the only sort of, ultra real one like it's the only heightened reality one it's we're going to put it in a completely fictional context that is very far removed from our life yeah. to a degree although nosedive is very close to home in some ways but um yeah, yeah like like the episode two of series one is obviously we're in this world this is a compound this is how life is now it's normal it's not like oh god you remember before this because no they don't it's it's set in an undetermined future um plus daniel kaluuya is fucking great in that daniel story kaluuya, yeah Especially when he gets to the on-stage bit where he just, like, lets loose. And then the weird twist of it's it good, at the end, which, which isn't a plot twist. Don't mistake me. It's not a plot twist. But no. the sort of the twist of fate at the end of, like, oh, God. He's where he never really wanted to be, but some other people did. And it's like, this is so odd. What is this? Yeah. Love that episode. Um, you're in for a corker with Series 2, mate. The first episode of Series 2 is one of my favourite ones. Be right back. Hayley Atwell and Domhnall Gleeson tearing out your heart. Oh, I do love those. Soaking things. up your tears with it and then putting it back where it belongs. No. Covered in tears. It's amazing. Um, so good. So yeah, we've watched Black Mirror and we like it. We like it a lot. And, and uh, if we'll probably have more to say about it at a future date. Yeah, if you're on the journey, enjoy. Let us know, let us know what you think next week because I think we will do a roundup of Series 3 in its entirety at some point. But I, I've noticed with this one, people haven't binged it and I think it's because it's anthology. Also because it's fucking hard to binge. Yes. It's just hard to... Like, it just... It'll, crush you it will kill you it will jump up and down in your soul and make you realize that life's not worth fucking living so yeah that's why no one's bitching because <laughs> it'll make you suicidal jesus have fun but i love charlie brooker so that's He's fine great um love and one final end note oh a final 
Doctor Who question. My giddy shots. <sighs> it's a would you rather. Oh, God. Oh, Lewis, why? No, I can't go on! If you had to pick between a series of Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who with Nardole in every scene, or three more series of class, what would be more preferable? Is it one series with complete Nardole? One full series with Nardole in every scene. uncut, hardcore Nardole. Full, uncut, hardcore 100% 100% Nardole Burger. Or three more series of class. Three more series of class. That implies that whichever one you pick, the other one won't happen. Yeah. In which case, Nardole. Because it will be like a cleansing with fire. <laughs> You're going to go scorched earth on it. Yeah, there won't, be any, there, won't be, there won't be any more class, which I think would be a healthy thing, because BBC Three only have the budget for one drama a year, so no more class means they get to try other scripts and writers and concepts for other shows, which I'd be down with. Hmm. Um, because I don't think class is the best use of their drama budget, if it is their one drama a year. Um, so... There's that. The money for BBC Three would go to other shows. Yeah. I'm not going, fuck you, class. I'm going, no, let's see what else you've got. Um, so that happened. Plus, bless Matt Lucas, but it would be the worst series of Doctor Who in known history. <laughs> it would destroy the show. And as we've said before, that might be for the best. Because it means that you could bring it back a few years down the line. Yeah. With a complete overhaul. Just let it go. Which is let what it, it needs. Because they'll never completely get rid of it. Because thanks to Top Gear, uh, the original Top Gear st- stopping, Doctor Who is the Beeb's biggest worldwide pull of, of money. Which, and who would have thought that was going to happen ten years ago? I know. Well, it's, like... it's sort of been forced into the situation. I think if Top Gear hadn't gone the way it did, Doctor Who's net could be on the chopping block. But I think the way it is, Doctor Who's sort of pinky fingers on the chopping block. as more of a... Now, don't mess this up too much, guys. Just the tip you know. on the chopping Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. Um, I, I'm really torn. A O U. They are the vowels. I'm really, really torn because I get what you're saying about the class not being the best use of BBC Three's well, budget. Let, let me simplify because I know what you're thinking. Um, whichever one you pick, you have to watch it. Yeah. No, I that I think that says. I think it says that. Because at first I was that. like, well, I just don't want, I just won't watch the three new seasons of class. But no, no, yeah. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think, like we know, Nadal's a dead end. That's there's, a, there's no hope. There's no hope in that situation. No. But no I think there's room for class to improve, which it's only going to do if it does more. Yes. I mean, it could also get worse. Yes, but we know. I was going to say, like, it's it's because some people say, well, the show really kicks in by season two or season three. But I'm like, no, you, the product you present at the start has to be strong enough for me to go. I will continue to watch. I don't want to be told that later is is where it gets better. So whereas whereas we know Nardole is the pits. Yes, like it's it's. Jesus and again, this Christ. is no criticism of 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 actor writer. Matt Lucas. It is a criticism of the decision to have this character be a regular character in a show. And also... Where he serves as an odd bit of comic relief rather than a relatable, believable character. To have him in every episode would be... 
hell. It'd be lovely to just let Matt Lucas act. Yeah. Give him a character who wasn't comedy sidekick to River Song in a Christmas special. Like, that'd be fun. I'd watch that. Have him be some kind of whimsical Time Lord-esque character. Like like how the Time Lord used to appear to John Pertwee dressed in, like, bowler hats floating above the air. Like, have Matt Lucas be that kind of character who's sort of helping lead back to Gallifrey in some way or something. That'd be great. I'd be up for that. So... Like a, like a dream lord, but nice. Because we know Nardole is so terrible, hmm. I think I'd rather have three more series of class because there's a possibility that it could get better. Do you know what we call this? What? A class divide. <laughs> and on that note, if you want to get in touch with us, you can anytime. Email bigdowncontact at gmail.com with any questions you like, be related to geek news. Things and reviews, points of views, especially, of course, if you want to ask us a Doctor Who question, which we'll answer reluctantly. Or get us on Twitter, Big Damn Cast. Twitter, Big Damn Cast. Uh, And don't forget, if you are not listening to this on YouTube, we are on YouTube. But if you are listening to this on YouTube, brace yourself for some news in the coming weeks, because you might want to keep updated as to where we're going to be broadcasting from. God. As for right now, I've been Big Damn Chris. I'm dying. I'm actually dying. I will see you next time. Don't worry, Matt. It's okay. Everyone feels it at your age. You're at war. You're at war with yourself. You are war itself. (laughs) Alright. I'll get you a really sticky one.